feels awkward and I don't know what to do. And can I, can I guarantee you this? If we don't do it here, we won't do it out there. And I know that God wants to use these gifts out there. But we have to learn how to use them in a way that doesn't, you know, push people away out there. And that's how we should use them here. The gifts should not operate one way in a church service and a different way out there. should be the same. And so we want to learn how the Holy Spirit speaks and how to operate in those giftings because that's going to lead to people finding Christ out there and giving you an opportunity to minister. So I want to encourage you to keep stepping out in those things and uh, keep sharing your testimonies. Those of you that are in the room that I've told you to share your testimony and you haven't yet, I won't say shame on you because that's bad, but uh, share that testimony because it's going to encourage others to take those steps of faith too. But this morning is a special day. And uh, we have Brian and Dee Dee Jacobson here from Trinity Bible College, all the way north uh, on 281 in the great state of North Dakota, the thriving metropolis of Ellendale. And, uh, you know, we met last night for dinner, and, you know, it took me back 20, 25 years to being uh, in Ellendale at Trinity. And Trinity holds just a special place in my heart because um, there are just so many ways that I encountered God, was trained, uh, was developed by professors, by men and women of God, so many relationships and friendships. In fact, I, I went through old yearbooks last night and posted crazy pictures of former DYDs and other friends and sent pictures to everybody and just uh, the things that God does on those campuses, those moments. And uh, today, as they share, they're going to share with you the things that God's doing there, the things that uh, they've been a part of, how God's worked in their lives. And what I've prayed is that partnership continues to develop in our hearts. We support Trinity Bible College on a monthly basis. If you remember from last week's video, that large group of students that said thank you for all of that support. And uh, Trinity, unlike other places maybe where we send money, has a chance to exponentially affect the, the world because you're not just giving money to help one person be restored to Christ. You're giving money to those that are going to lead others in restoration, whether they be teachers or businessmen or pastors or evangelists or missionaries. And so it's, it's changing the world. And uh, they're going to share that uh, through the day today. And Brian and Dee Dee come to us with experience in lay ministry as deacons in a church, as uh, youth leaders in a church, and now on staff at Trinity Bible College. And I know you'll be blessed as they minister through the day today. So would you make them feel welcome as they come this morning? Brian, Dee Dee, would you come? I couldn't find this microphone, and uh, I put it in my back pocket. And so it's been a long time. <laughs> Jessica, let's go with that first video, please. Bailey, you better push that volume a little bit, brother. There we go. Three players this year that made All-American. 
been the both guys and gals squad. And that young lady who just shoots right now is on her way to Afghanistan. She's in the National Guard, so we love veterans there too. It's our new, inside the new prayer and teaching center. Wonderful gift in the last couple years. It's our graduate, graduate, one of our graduate classes. Not all our students look that mature. not a real lightsaber, uh, Vice President of, Acad or of, of Student Life, Twilight Foods. Well, it is so good to be with you today. As Pastor Tom said, I am Brian. This is my wife, Dee Dee. You'll see her up close a little bit more in a moment when uh, we have the opportunity to bless you in music, but it is so good to be here. And share with you what um, what's happening at Trinity Bible College and Graduate School. Brad, hi. It is good to see you. Hi, Lacey. Anybody else out here I know? Myron and Mickey. It is, it is really good to be here. I bring greetings from Dr. Paul and Dr. Carol, our president. And um, they are ministering, and they are on their way to England to have where we will host our first um, overseas intensive of one of four in our global theology master's program. So I tell you, when I talked to them on the phone yesterday, they were in the uh, they were overnighting in Chicago on their way to get on a plane the next day. So they're on their way there now, and I could just tell how excited I'm excited for them. It's just such a cool, cool thing. And if you know the history of Trinity, why that's so cool, which I'll share in a little bit as we go. So I'm here to show you just a little bit, just to say thank you. And tell you a little bit about what your what your monthly support has been meaning to us. So let's just go on to the next slide. But for those of you that maybe aren't that familiar with Trinity, let me give you this little quick snapshot of what Trinity is. We are a four-year Bible college. You can get a four-year degree there. And every student at Trinity earns a Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies and then something else. Let's say that again. Every student earns a Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies and something else. Can you imagine walking into an elementary classroom having earned a certificate to teach uh, and, a, and a degree in elementary education and also having the biblical foundation, a Pentecostal foundation filled with the Holy Spirit, been, been discipled and mentored, as your pastor has mentioned, and to take that witness into a public school, and not in an inappropriate way, but just in a way that only Jesus would have us love people. That's Trinity Bible College. Imagine being a business student because you can earn a degree in business administration at Trinity um, as well and having that same foundation and God use you to impact your community through business. 
That's Trinity Bible College. That's, that's what's happening. We remain, um, uh, we are in our 70th anniversary. We are nationally accredited. And, uh, and as I said, said a moment ago, yes, if you get a teacher, uh, you go, you get a teacher degree, teaching degree, an elementary education degree at Trinity, uh, you, can, you can teach in the public schools. There was a day when some of the Assemblies of God schools, you didn't even get a teaching certificate that was valid in any states. That's not the case now. We're definitely a place where you have that. We have some distinctives at Trinity, like at the Pack Your Bags program. That's a first-year missions-focused program where students um, earn uh, college credits and yet travel to four different, four different uh, ministry opportunities to include South Africa and Israel. Isn't our team in Israel right now? Our Pack Your Bags team? 24 students are in Israel right now experiencing the Holy Land. And you can go to college and do that? and earn 24 credits and do that in your first year of school? Mom and Dad, are you hearing me? That is a cool thing. That is a cool thing. Very, very cool thing. Um, and, it, and it is priced, the price point on it is set intentionally to make it so that, um, oh, here's the deal. Here's just the heart of our president. He was, he was weary of seeing college students go to school, walk away, debt-laden, and not having any real direction in their life. What's God calling them to do? Well, the Pack Your Bags program really solidifies that. It's wonderful. We have an Accelerate program. It's a four plus one where a student, where a ministerial student, a student in ministry, uh, youth pastor, um, pastoral studies, children's ministry, four years will earn their bachelor in that and then jump right into their fifth year of master's. And it's a grant-funded program. It actually costs less than a traditional four-year education. So we're doing our best to fill the pulpits fill the ranks of youth pastors and children's pastors. It's, it's wonderful, exciting, an exciting time. And I'll talk a little bit about another distinctive at Trinity called Go Trips in just a, mission, just a minute. But our mission is on the next slide, and that is simply to train men and women with a theological foundation to passionately demonstrate Jesus, the love of Jesus Christ wherever they go. We are unashamedly rural We've got about 240 students, less than 200 are actually on campus when you remove the graduate program and the, those that are on distance ed. And so we're a pretty close-knit group, a community, close community. And a community, a redemptive community, goes through difficult things together. And one of those difficult things that we're going through right now is, um, and you'll see a picture of this young lady in a little bit, just this last week on Thursday, a student who was returning from her go trip, had spent some time with family uh, after her go trip to Egypt and uh, in the Rochester, Minnesota area. Um, didn't yield for a stop sign and ran into a semi-tractor trailer and died instantly. And so our community is, is reeling with, from a, the loss of a wonderful young woman who is an RA and just a godly woman that just has, has spurred on her, her, um, her fellow students. And, but what better place, again, in a redemptive community that we're, as we're walking this road together with, as, as a family? Um, so keep us in your prayers there. Um, go on to the next slide. You know, that's, our, that's one of our newest facilities. It is our newest facility. It's about a $2.2 million facility. And it, it, it is beautiful. You saw a little bit of it in the It was kind of the overview early on. But Trinity's story hasn't always been that way, has it, has it Pastor Tom? That building there stands now where the administration building was. It was it was condemned. The faculty had to get out of it. We had to move. We had to uh, move some students that were in, in in dormitories, convert them to to faculty area, 
and the building was torn down, and now what are we going to do? Well, the family came forward and, and donated $2.2 million to put that building up to include two large classrooms and all the concourses that connected together. And now you can walk from our Student Life Center all the way through the Prayer Center, all the way to, over to our Field House and the Fitness Center. And um, that's indicative of what God's doing. When the Alexanders came, the, the, the campus was really, was really when, I understand Dr. Paul was here about 2012, and, and the, the, the campus was run down, and God has given them a vision to just restore what uh, this beautiful pearl in the prairie uh, is, and, and that is what's happening. And since their arrival, we have seen nearly $10 million in uh, building new construction and renovations uh, and all debt-free, no additional debt, no additional debt. Um, that's pretty exciting. Go to the next slide, and you'll see a picture of Davidson Hall, Heather. Did you stay? In, did you live in Davidson Hall? Was that your dorm? Okay. Anybody live there? Anybody here live there? You didn't live there, right? You didn't live there. Okay. Your wife did. Okay. So it was a dorm. It too had fallen in disrepair. And on multiple times, we tried to get the renovation going on that. But this last spring, monies came in and pledged to, to renovate that. And that will now be our central administration building. On the back, um, as you're looking at the picture, so it would be back there, there's a new... Um, uh, stairwell and and uh, elevator shaft that's going in, and it will connect to the building. So you literally, you'll go from the faculty offices, you can go all the way through. We're coddling the students in North Dakota weather, people. You don't have to go outside. After you leave your dorm room, Lacey, you can go right into the buildings and never have to leave them again until it's bedtime. It's beautiful. But more than that, more than that, and it um, is... Uh, what you see in the faces and the hearts of the students on our next slide. That young lady that passed away is right there in the, the forefront. Big, bright smile. That's, that's Amelia. Let me tell you something about what happens to our students at Trinity. We have these things called go trips. A go trip is, a, is, a, is the week before spring break. We shut down the campus, and every student is required, we're in our third year now, required to go on a short-term missions trip. They could be a local trip, which are a little less money, or they could go over the, over the pond somewhere. Dee and I had the, even had the opportunity to lead a team to Columbia, South America, a team of four students that went, went there. But the students raised the money. They, they, sent, they, they asked the Lord where they'd have them go. We had students that went to China uh, last year, India, um, Jamaica last year, this year, Japan, uh, Spain, so many different places, and even this year we had a team go to San Juan, Puerto Rico, just in, with some hurricane relief. Wonderful opportunities. But here's what happens when they go. I'll tell you a story about Jake. Jake was a student. He came from Texas. He's from a broken family. He wanted to play football. We have football at Trinity. You saw that. Um, he wanted to play football, and he, so he started with a business degree, and he went on a, a, a go trip to Mardi Gras. It's street ministry. But before he left, God spoke to his heart and said, I'm going to give you a chance to speak, to meet someone by the name of Phil. And you're going to meet Phil, and you're going to have the opportunity to share Christ with Phil. And Phil's going to accept Jesus. Well, Jake was hardly a believer at that point, he would tell me. But anyway, he went along, just childlike faith, and kept looking for Phil. Ran into Phil, 
shared Christ with Phil. Phil got saved. Jake's different. Jake comes back, and in chapel service, shortly thereafter, stands up in front of his peers and says, I believe that God has called me into missions, and he changed his major to exercise. Now, listen to this. This is so non-traditional, it's almost scary, right? But this is how God is reaching the world, right? I'm changing my major to exercise science. So he already has a biblical studies major, right? Plus exercise science with a minor in intercultural ministries. Jake graduates this spring, and he's going to India this fall on a mission, um, either uh, on a MAPS appointment for a year for an internship to teach CrossFit in a gym in India. Now, I know some of you that might say, that's not preaching the gospel. Let me tell you, they're not coming in here or in other churches. We got to go out there. There are coffee shops. There's more missionary, AG missionaries that are raising up coffee shops around the world. It's crazy. I'm not even that crazy about coffee. I bet you maybe they're not even that crazy, Pastor Tom, about coffee. But God is using that to create conversation and relationship. And that's what's happening at Trinity Bible College. And so um, that's your dollars. That's your dollars. Go to the next slide. I want to quickly share, um, next slide yet, our story very quickly. Yes, that's my uh, Kool-Aid lovers look-alike T-shirt and a very sick banana sitting next to me. Very cute banana, actually. We spent the most, of, most of the last 10 years, about eight years, hanging out with young people. Um, the fine arts movement really touched our family, and so we found ourselves every year at National Fine Arts. We found ourselves at youth conventions, and I will tell you that I have found that um, I actually get a lot more, got a lot more sleep as a youth leader than I do hanging out with older people because young people have curfews. Y'all don't have curfews. You older folks don't have curfews, and you want to play cards until late into the night. But that's who we've been hanging out with. So when, when, when we came to the end of a chapter in our lives, we just were seeking God. Where do we, what, do we, what do you want next for us? And I want to tell you, you have some people in this church whose connection with this place that we work at now made a major impact on our lives. John and Heather and Patty. We grew up as husband and wife in our married life in Brookings, South Dakota, three hours from Trinity. Heard about Trinity. What's Trinity? I'm a Rochester, Minnesota kid by birth and raised. There was nothing other than North Central for me, right? What's Trinity? So we get to Rapid City. A little bit later in our tenure there, we meet this young couple, Nathaniel and Janae Mullen, John and Heather's brother and sister. We're going, who are these people? They are some quality people, right? And then we had the chance to meet you guys. I'm thinking, who, who are your parents? I mean it. I mean it. We fell in love with John and Heather and Nathaniel and Janae. And then, then we learned more about Keith and Patty and come to find out this couple goes and mo moves to Trinity. And I may have the story all wrong, but it'll preach good, Patty, okay? So just let it flow, all right? All right? That they moved to Trinity to work there, to go to school there, and to stay working there. Why? Because they recognize there's a call in their kids' lives and to do everything they can to make sure their kids get through college, as, owing as little as possible. And I'm thinking, who are these people who are 
Your family, your family, I want you to know this. Your family is as much as the reason why we're there as Tim is there following a call of God in his life to be a missionary. And I just want to publicly thank you guys so much. Thank you. Yes, you can applaud. So if you go to the next slide, there's our GO team. We had a couple guys had to drop off, but we went to 8,500 feet elevation and dug a trench by hand for, uh, with shovels, okay, with shovels and picks. Some of you are thinking, literally by hand? Whoa! Um, with, sh with shovels, no backhoes, okay, no power equipment for a retaining wall for a new church in the community of Tuta, Colombia, a new Assemblies of God church. And there were four students that ultimately went to, like I said, two of the guys had to drop off. Each of the four students preached and were interpreted. The two ladies preached on the second Sunday. One who is Hispanic, uh, she's from Mexico, her mom and dad are from Mexico, and she interpreted for the other gal, and then she herself preached in Spanish. Now, tell me, where? What is a college in the U.S.? It's, it's, that's Trinity. And I want you to know that your gifts are making that possible. So if you go to the next slide, now here's us refined a little bit. So what do we do now? Didi and I have the opportunity to share with you, come, come to churches, visit with people, and say thank you, and say, please, please continue to partner with us. Go to the next slide, and I'll just quickly show why your gift is so important. After all the bills are paid, after the tuition is in, after the financial aid's in, after the, the revenue from the, some of the rental properties that the Trinity has, there's this thing called a student gap. It's over a million bucks every year. And that's where your $50 a month goes to. And we just want to say thank you. And if we can't, if that thing gets bigger, we got to make it smaller. Because if it gets bigger, it's going to fall on the backs of our students. And we can't let that happen. So I just want to say thank you. And um, if there's, uh, uh, I, have a, I have a certificate for your pastor, but before I go there, please pick up some stuff. All right, this gets printed. And at the end of the year, it gets thrown away because it's old. We bring it so that you can take it. I don't care if you don't think you know anybody that has any interest in going to college. Please, take some of this. This talks about the Pack Your Bags program and all our, our four-year degrees. This talks about our Masters of Arts. We have three MA programs there. And then if God is moving in your heart to do something more above and beyond your tithe, above and beyond what you give to the church, don't take anything away here. You've got to keep bringing the, the, the tithe and the, the missions into the storehouse. But there's some opportunities. Uh, we need your help. We have some big things coming up. And, um, you know, the buildings are paid for, as we say. But somebody, we need help with the lights. And nobody thinks it's cool to pay for light bulbs. But that's important. All right? Pastor Tom, I want to give you this as a, uh, just a certificate of appreciation for your church. It reads, in recognition of faithful monthly support, uh, $50, Trinity Bible College and Graduate School, Ellendale, North Dakota, and then our mission here, signed Dr. Alexander, and a beautiful picture of he and his wife. Pastor Tom and church. And look at me, Pastor Tom. Thank you. And church, all eyes here, don't stop giving to missions. You take missions away, and I'm telling you, you as a church will die. All right? 
been around long enough as a deacon, not as a pastor, but as a deacon, supporting pastors, know that if you take away the heart of missions, thank you so much, but don't stop. Don't stop giving. Press yourself. Push forward. I encourage you to push forward and give where you think you can't give anymore. Give a little bit more. God will reward. So um, I think what do we, I turn it back to you now. There we go. Okay. Thank you. I just want to go on record as saying when I went to Trinity Bible College, uh, we walked outside in 85 below wind chills, and uh, we survived. But anyway, um, we want to take an offering, and so we've got some ushers that are going to help us. And um, if you remember, I gave some information over the last couple of weeks and a message on it this week about a special offering that uh, we're going to be a part of for district council this year. And if you remember back um, at the beginning of the year, I showed you a golden buzzer video. Do you remember the golden buzzer video? And really had felt on my heart this year that one of the things God was saying to us as a church was we need to be better at celebrating people, honoring people. Not just honoring people who do well, but honoring people who don't do well. And, and making sure that we go after them and not allow isolation and separation. And we've talked about that through Keep Your Love On. But when I heard about this project, um, literally something on the inside of me wept because I just felt like I could see us hitting that golden buzzer to say to these men and women that are making sacrifices and building this next generation, we love you, we honor you, and we support you. And we're going to do our best to videotape that moment and bring it back to you so you can be a part of it also. Um, but if you're not prepared to give today over the next two weeks, uh, please consider that we're, as a district, trying to raise $50,000, and so we need to do our part in that, and uh, if you want to write a check today for $50,000, uh, I'm sure we could raise more, but uh, do what God puts in your heart, do what you're able to do over these next three weeks, and let's make that uh, a great impact, and during the offering today, uh, Brian and Didi are going to come back, and they're going to minister uh, in song, and so Father, thank you today for the privilege of partnership. Thank you that we get to be a part of building your kingdom. God, we know uh, that you are more than able to do all of this without us. Uh, you don't need us, but you've chosen us, and you want us to have the privilege of partnership. And I pray that today that you put that in our hearts in a greater way, God, that you'd use this offering to be a blessing and a ministry to these men and women who serve so faithfully and so sacrificially and to build this next generation of teachers and pastors and evangelists and missionaries. And God, we're so grateful for the ministry of Trinity Bible College and pray that it would continue and that it would be blessed in every way. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead. Thank you. This is mine, right? Am I that the Lord of all the earth care to know my name, care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way to my ever wandering heart? 
It's not because of who I am, you know that. Not because of what you've done, not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow. Wave tossed in the ocean, vapor in the wind. Still you hear me when I'm calling. Lord, you catch me when I'm falling. And you told me who I am. I am yours. I am yours. Who am I? That the eyes that see my sin Would look on me with love And watch me rise again Who am I That the voice that calms the sea Would call out through the rain And calm the storm in me It's not because of who I am but because of what you've done Not because of what I've done But because of who you are I am a flower quickly fading Here today but gone tomorrow A wave tossed in the ocean Vapor in the wind still you Hear me when I'm calling Lord, you catch me when I'm falling And you've told me who I am I am of who I am but because of what you've done not because of what I've done but because of who you are I am a flower quickly fading here today and gone tomorrow a wave tossed in the ocean a vapor in the wind Still you hear me when I'm calling Lord, you catch me when I'm falling You told me who I am I am yours I am yours I am shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Cause I am yours. <coughs> oh, praise the Lord. This is where I preach, right? Right? Yeah, okay. Okay. 
Um, well, I'm going to tell you a story today, and um, I actually need to just quickly change into some um, something that maybe fits just a little bit better. I'm going to tell you a story um, that has a great risk. It's a story of a prospector. I like my Colombian hat. Story of, uh, of a prospector, great risk. Oops, I need something else down here too, don't I, Dean? Uh, that tarp. And um, the story is uh, about a prospector that went looking for hidden treasure. You're not going to take a picture of this, are you? I thought you were coming over to take a picture. I don't want Dr. Paul to see me doing this. Prospector, if you were wondering what the wheelbarrow was all about, weren't you? Some of y'all was killing me. What's the wheelbarrow all about, Pastor? Are you moving that? That's kind of heavy. I'll put it back here. Yeah, I don't want the. I want John to see this. This is a good sermon illustration, Pastor John, so you can use this again if you want, all right? <laughs> Great risk, prospector, hidden treasure. Jesus actually talks about it in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. You can go ahead and put that slide. Need to oil the wheel, John. It's not going to last. Your daddy taught you better. All right. Go on to the next slide, please, Jessica. Of course, Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, of a prospector that went looking for hidden treasure. It's not real certain to us whether or not that prospector knew exactly, you know, how did he find the hidden treasure? Um, and he didn't use the word prospector, but someone that goes looking for hidden treasure is a prospector. Dee Dee and I spent the last nine years in the Black Hills, and we would be walking along trails, not Dee Dee. Dee didn't do much hiking, okay? But I did hiking with the Royal Rangers, and we would all of a sudden, along the trail, there would be this hole in the, the side of the hill. I'm not kidding you. Like, but 10 feet wide, 5 foot deep. What in the world? Well, what I've come to understand is that during the late 1800s, in the gold rush, people brought, bought uh, and purchased some, some rights or whatever to prospect. And they had to show their effort by digging a hole in the ground so that if they found something, then they could, in fact, claim it. And then the property around it, I don't know exactly how it worked, but that's how it worked. So they went looking for hidden treasure, and, and very often you'll see there was some stuff there, and that was it. Of course, it's all grown over, over 100 years, 100 years later, but that's how it went. So anyway, we have this, I have a little bit of this hidden treasure here, or it came up, and the, the man, the, the, the story goes that the man found hidden treasure, and he was so excited I mean, so excited. He buried it up. I covered it back up, I suppose, for safekeeping, and then went and found the owner of the field and said, how much is that? We don't know exactly how the guy responded, but, uh, you know, whatever. And uh, At any rate, the value was, appeared to be so great to the purchaser, the prospector, that he sold everything, everything to buy this. 
Now, let's go to the next slide. And the next one. I have a couple questions. Why didn't the prospector just take the treasure with them? I mean, he was digging, found it, right? Why didn't he just take the treasure with him? Well, it didn't belong to him. That would have been stealing. He wasn't, it wasn't his property. I mean, in North Dakota, we've got some oil in western North Dakota, right? And there's some people who are doing pretty well because of the oil in western North Dakota. And if I lived in North Dakota and I, if I didn't have oil on my property and I went over to Myron's property and started digging, you don't have any oil either. Okay, I won't go to your property then. All right, if I went over to Myron's neighbor, <laughs> whomever, and started digging for oil on their property and didn't have permission to do it, that would be stealing, wouldn't it? Okay, so that's why the prospector, prospector didn't take it with him. Go to the next slide. Next question. Well, didn't the landowner know about the treasure? And didn't he want the treasure? You know, Scripture doesn't say, but maybe I'm just tending to believe that the landowner said, you want that? <laughs> yeah. And you'll pay that? I'll sell it to the fool who will buy that. Question number three, then. How did the prospector know that the treasure, the hidden treasure, was worth the risk? Remember we talked about in, in the Black Hills, someone buys rights to do some digging, and they find something or they don't. Was it worth the risk? Was it worth the investment? Was there a return on the investment? Well, we know this is a parable in Scripture, and so there means that there's some meaning and some, some people and names and things. So let's take a look at the next slide. Let's define those. Well, who is, who is the, the prospector? Who is the buyer? Well, obviously, it was Jesus. Jesus tells this parable, and he's really the prospector. He's the buyer. Okay, what, what, what's next then? Who is or what is the field? Well, the field was the world. And it was under the control of Satan. Jesus didn't have authority to just go and take the treasure, hidden otherwise, out of that without paying for it. Well, then, that begs the question. What was the hidden treasure? Next slide. You and me. All right, so now let's put this all in the context of this story in the context of the people and the places that we just defined, right? Okay, so next question again, next slide. Why did Jesus not take the treasure with him? It didn't belong to him. It didn't. It didn't belong to him yet. All right, next slide. Well, did the landowner know about the treasure? Why didn't he want the treasure? Let's take a little look at the treasure, right? Yep, that looks like a liar. That looks like someone who's lied too. This looks like someone who's been mistreated, abused, maybe raped. Maybe there's been incest in their past. This looks like someone who has disease. This looks like somebody who um, is depressed, addicted. Ha! You can have it. 
but it'll cost you everything. Did you, did you hear what I just said? That's what Satan sold Christ. Abuse, um, liars, a divorce, uh, brokenness, uh, rape, incest. Uh, that's what Jesus bought. You see, that's what Satan sees. That's what Satan sees. Next question. How in the world Jesus see treasure in this. I need to give one to a girl. Lacey? Can I give this to you? My brother in the front row here with your other brothers and the young lady in the back, a little different than the what I held up, isn't it? So if I can have this just a second. Shiny, smooth, beautiful. This is what Jesus saw. In that. That's not what he pulled out of that. What he pulled out of that was raise those up in the air, would you please? He pulled that. He pulled that out of this and said that I would go to the cross and suffer and die and do everything and give away everything, leave heaven. And you might say, oh, yeah, but he was going back. You know, he knew. He knew. He knew. No. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's uh, Hebrews chapter 11. It said, for the joy that's set before him. It wasn't the joy of returning. No, my friends, the joy set before him was this. It was you and me. It was the brokenness. That's what he bought. Question number three. No, not yet, sorry. Question number three, was it worth the risk? My friends, it tells us in, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, it tells men that we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He loved her enough to die for her with no guarantee that we would reciprocate that love. And that's how I'm supposed to love my wife, Pastor Tom. When he bought the field, there was no guarantee. Jesus had no guarantee that we that he we would permit him to take this, hold that up, fellas, and let it become that. Hold it up and hold it up. None. No guarantee. But he did it. He did it anyways. 
Can I challenge you this morning? Next slide, please. Start seeing yourself as hidden treasure. I'm telling you what, if you see yourself as broken, and we are. I'm not saying we're supposed to deny it. But if we start seeing ourselves as broken, and st- if we could stop that and start seeing ourselves as, raise those up, Lacey, and not that, not that. I don't want to see yourself as that. There you go. If we start seeing ourselves, I'm going to have to get bigger, shinier rocks. All right. Uh, if we start seeing ourselves as that, imagine what life would be like. Imagine how God could, I mean, we don't have a chance at reaching a world if we don't realize the investment Christ has placed in us, right? Next slide, please. Start seeing the hidden treasures in those around you. Start seeing the hidden treasures in those around you. As I was praying this morning, I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, as it relates to this particular point, we watch enough news and we get really ticked off at the media because there's all these people that seem to be in the face of what we believe. And, And the Holy Spirit said, there's that group of people and there are those that are simply lost. Worry about those that think they're here. Don't worry about, you know what? They may have theirs, but there's a bunch of people that still are seeing themselves day after day after day as dysfunctional. I got, I got this. I've got this disease. I can't do things right in school. I can't, I can't. I'm from that sort of background. I was abused as a kid. Blah, 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 blah. That's what they see. Start seeing Raise that up. That in those people's lives that you work with around you. Show the video of Kayla, please, Jessica. My name is Kayla Falvin, and I'm from North Dakota. And Pack Your Bakes has changed my life drastically in the last eight months. I came into the program knowing I was called to missions, but I didn't want to go to college quite yet, and I wanted to hear from God and take a year to just hear straight from Him and serve Him. I, I connected with him on a new level and through devotions and missions trips and class time, I, I began to hear from him more clearly and he defined the plan for my life a lot more and he showed me what he actually wanted me to do and how he wants me to approach the next step in my life. And it's just been crazy to see how he's been working in me and how much I've changed because I'm not the person that I was eight months ago. And I've grown in leadership and I've grown in character. And my goal was just to learn more about God and to be more like him and act more like him and have him shine more through me in my life. Something that God did in my life on one of the trips. In Africa, God really challenged me in some ways. And it got to the point where it was really hard for me, not because we were doing missions or there for so long, but just spiritually, it was really hard for me. And I learned that sometimes God has to break you down to build you back up. And that was one of the peaks or climaxes in in my year in Pack Your Bags. I love my team, and I believe that God put us together divinely and perfectly. And they're like my family now. And it's, it's just been fun to grow with them, to um, not only lead them, but be led by them and to experience literally other part, many other parts of the world and to see new things and learn new things and to experience God and see Him work.
Kayla was, that was a freshman video, maybe a sophomore, following her Pack Your Bags year. Um, she's one of the first, one of the, in, one of the first year of that program inception. And um, let me tell you a little bit about Kayla. Kayla's from a, a home in western North Dakota, very dysfunctional. She was conceived uh, uh, by a teenage, a teenage pregnancy. By the age of two, her dad left home. Her mom became addicted to whatever. Ended up having to live with somebody else in the church. But that was after, in seventh grade, somebody invited her to youth group. Somebody saw hidden treasure in Kayla. Invited her youth group. She got saved, started going to youth conventions and youth camp and started sensing a call of God on her life. She had a full-ride scholarship for a medical, for medical uh, program somewhere in North Dakota and chose to follow a call to God, come in Trinity. That young lady is in Vietnam right now exploring exactly where God would have her go and serve as a missionary. Her, you know, and, and how her church invested in her? They did so much almost to pay for her college that she graduated owing less than $5,000. And Assemblies of God World Missions is after her to apply to be a missionary associate somewhere in Asia. My friends, that doesn't happen unless somebody says, I see hidden treasure in that person. Go to the next slide. So let me leave you with the final challenge. And I know that this is your uh, faith promise. This is your mission emphasis week. Can I challenge you with this? Do whatever it takes, whatever it costs, to invest in the lives of others. Not just your missions program, but your community. God gave me a, 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 a vision for that my, my next door neighbor before, I left Rapid, before we left Rapid City was going to come to know Jesus. I was, like Jake, I was going to have a chance to lead him to the Lord. Talked with him tons of times. <clears throat> it was the day we were leaving. I mean, it was the last load out, and I had this pile of stuff to the left of the garage. Everything else was gone. My, my Suburban, my trailer was gone. I had nothing to carry away. And Nathaniel, uh, John's brother, said, well, I'll take it to the landfill for you, Brian. You get a pickup truck. And I looked over at my neighbor's yard, and there was Bill's pickup. He said I could use it any time. Okay? So I went over and knocked on the door. And on my way over, the Holy Spirit said, now. It was so clear. So clear. And I went over to his house, knocked on the door, and Bev answered, said, oh, Brian, I'm so glad you're here. Bill's not well. I think we're going to lose him, and I need to take him to the emergency room. And, and the Holy Spirit said, took over, and I said, can I see him? And I went into his bedroom. And you got to understand, Bill's first wife died at the age of 44 with Alzheimer. His daughter died at the age of 44 with Alzheimer. He had nothing left. He said, Brian, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. I have no faith left. And I sat down, and the Holy Spirit spoke through me. And I said, Bill, I've not walked in your shoes. I can't even imagine. But it seems silly to miss heaven just because you're ticked off at God. And he said, you know what? You're right. And I led him to Jesus right there. And in October... Now, okay, this is a year and a half later now. In October, Bill went home to be with the Lord. Now, what did it cost me to do that? That didn't cost me anything. What cost me was that the Holy Spirit had said, you want to see your, na your neighborhood changed? You're a lazy bum. You need to get out and pray for your neighbors. Oh. And I began a prayer walk in my neighborhood. He didn't say I was a lazy bum. He doesn't talk that way. But that's how I felt. You know what? You're right. 
I've been a Christian all my life, and how much have I really invested in praying for my neighbors? Well, I like to walk. Brad, you used to pray walk when you were in Brookings, didn't you? And, and man, oh, man, it felt good. It was up and down the cul-de-sac. Well, that's a tenth of a mile. Before you know it, I had two miles. That felt good. That was good exercise, Pastor Tom, for a guy who hates running, all right? You like running. I hate running. But that was, and I would pray, and I started learning the names of the, my, the people next, next door, my neighbors, some of which because a piece of mail fell on the ground and didn't get picked up. Oh, that's their name. Instead of 482, they are so-and-so. So put the mail back. And then I learned that and began praying for the people. I believe with all my heart that it was the prayers, what God put in me to do. And so my challenge to you, number three, is be willing to accept whatever the risk, whatever the cost, do it. Do it. Our lost souls, do it. Bow your heads with me, please. Pastor, you can get ready. I'll let you close. Father in heaven, actually, Jesus, Son of God, I forgot to ask you publicly to speak today, to be, do the, be the void, but I believe you've spoken. You've challenged all of our hearts. Every time I share this, you challenge my heart. What am I doing? Do I just get frustrated with what I can, what I think I can and cannot do? Question number one, and not see the hidden treasure in me. Do I get, do I get ticked off at what I see on TV or even frustrated with somebody who cuts me off at travel or whatever, and I don't see the hidden treasure in that person that's angry at the grocery store, that's broken? I don't see that because I see them as an inconvenience. Am I really, really, truly willing to do whatever it costs, whatever it takes to reach? There's somebody, Lord, you've placed in each one of our lives, and you're asking us to sell a farm to do whatever it takes to reach that person. I pray now, Lord, as you bring this thing into close and Pastor Tom comes back, God, you would have your way here in each of our hearts. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks, Brian, for the, the challenge, the reminder to see as God sees. Romans says that we serve a God that calls things that are not as though they were. And oftentimes as the church, it's easy to just loudly proclaim what we see instead of what God sees. So it's a great reminder how we need to see ourselves, how we need to see others, and to do whatever it takes to bring that message of restoration to those that need it. I want you to take just a moment. I want you to bow your heads again. And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what do I do? What do I do? You know, tonight, um, I'm going to ask that you pray for me. I'm sharing a message at uh, the Journey Youth event, just a really simple message that God put in my heart. But um, part of that challenge is that every time we open the Scripture, it calls for a response. And I fear that when we stop responding to the Scripture, that like James says, we become hearers of the Word and not doers. And as Brian was closing, um, that's what I did. I said, Holy Spirit, in fact, I didn't even need to ask him because <laughs> he was already saying, 
Here's what you need to do. And it's not a profound thing. It's not a, a big thing. In fact, it's a very small thing. At least it seems like it. But I want you to just take that moment and say, what do I do? Maybe you need to change how you talk about yourself. How you think about yourself. Maybe because of physical limitations or intellectual limitations, all you do is say what you can't do. And maybe it's time to trust the one who calls things that are not as though they were. And to understand that you are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do the things that he has planned for you. Maybe it's time to stop complaining about the world around you and start seeing what God sees. Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save them. And maybe it's just time to lay something down. Maybe it's, it has to do with your faith promise. Maybe it has to do with your relationships. Maybe it just has to do with your time. Maybe it's time to cancel the Netflix account, give 10 more dollars to missions a month, and more time to prayer walk your neighborhood. I don't know what he's saying to you, but ask him. Father, your word says if we ask, we receive. And if we seek, we find. If we knock, the door's open. And I thank you that you are always speaking. And that even when we don't listen well, you don't get frustrated and stop speaking. You just keep speaking. And I pray open our ears today to hear what you're saying. Holy Spirit, I ask for that, just that laser beam word right now in every heart in this room. What's that one thing that you want us to do in response to what you have spoken to us today? Give us grace to be doers of your word today and not just hearers. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for being here this morning. Uh, if you're here and you want prayer, we always at the end of our services make opportunity for you to be prayed for or to have prayer if you haven't had that opportunity yet. So our prayer team will be here in the front to give you that opportunity if you want to take it. Otherwise, uh, you can consider yourselves dismissed and uh, God bless you as you go today.